welcome to Ellison's Connects, the official podcast by Ellison's Solicitors where we bring together expert professionals from a wide range of areas to discuss key developments and trends. In this episode, we will be talking about key things to consider when buying or leasing a commercial property. I'm Hardrock Gorowal, solicitor within the real estate team, and I'm joined by my commercial property colleagues, associate solicitor Lauren Philpot and partner Andrew Fernandez. Hello. Hello. Welcome. So we're going to be talking about what to consider when deciding to purchase or lease a commercial property. All the fun stuff. So first thing to consider. So I think that probably the first thing to consider is the property itself. Usually you would see some particulars online and want to go and inspect the property. So it's quite important to um, instruct an agent or go and visit local agents, see what's around and then go and see the property. Yeah, I think that's really important to go and see the property in person. The other things to consider, and I think it's an often forgotten thing, is a plan and the extent of the property you're buying. I mean, it sounds really basic, but actually you'd be surprised to how many times people get to quite long at the process and then find actually parts of the property that they thought were included weren't included. Things like parking spaces. The other thing, obviously, to consider is things like your services. So, um, you know, what's it connected to? Electricity, gas, um, telecommunications, etc., and the suitability for your business. And obviously, I think the, the other thing, to mention there is that to get professional advice from a surveyor or valuer as solicitors we can advise you on the conveyancing aspects so the legal title the legal aspects of the of the transaction but ultimately in terms of the valuation and other aspects of the uh, property the boundaries etc and the physical aspects of the property so it's 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 structural uh, structural integrity has to be a value or a professionally qualified surveyor so Andrew, how can you establish the extent of the property? This is one of the questions that we tend to get asked by clients. We would uh, inspect the plan effectively. I think the first thing to go back to, as we said before, was the, the physical inspection of the property. And that really does, uh, I think, you know, encourage people to be as robust as possible to get into every extent of the property um, and to look um, at all aspects of the property, the boundaries, etc., outside and inside, as much and as far as possible. Often then, a surveyor or often when the property comes to market a plan will be available anyway and it would be at that point that it's a really good idea to cross-reference that plan with the physical boundaries and the physical aspects but again a surveyor would be the person who would advise you on that um, but uh, the, the, the basics really are go to the property be robust inspect the other thing is if often if you're looking at property in an estate where it's private then you think about parking um, and you know it, it, all the sort of basic things that you would probably find when you're approaching purchasing a residential property so for example you know looking at whether there are problems with parking generally you know access issues etc so i think all those things have to be looked at and um you know visiting the property is the first thing mm-hmm. using an agent a surveyor valuer is the second and a really important thing and really doing your homework as far as you can physical inspection but so far as we uh, when we get involved we are looking at the plans effectively and then we'll cross-reference them with the title boundaries and title plans from the land registry and also whether the property is freehold or leasehold is always um, a good starting point as well um yeah. of course whether it's a straightforward purchase of commercial property or whether the clients are taking a lease or a assignment of the lease and it's always good to know the length of the term of the lease as well we should probably also mention searches now these are things that we as solicitors will 
most likely order for you a little bit further on in the transaction. So when you instruct us, we will order from our, our search provider, our standard commercial searches, yeah. um, which consist of a local search, an environmental search, water and drainage search, and a chancel check um, if, if appropriate. Now, if you are obtaining lending to purchase or, or lease your property, you will need these searches. Now, if you're not, if you are a cash buyer, you don't always have to have these. Our advice would always be to have uh, have the results of searches. Um, they reveal really important information that you shouldn't be aware of and, and which relates to the property and the use of the property. Um, so I guess, should we just take the searches in turn and, and just give a little... Well, I certainly think um, in terms of the search, in terms of the things that we've discussed already, uh, one of the biggest things there in the local authority search is your your planning title or what we call a planning history. So we do our due diligence to the planning um, history of the property. And that can be really, really important uh, to check out the current permitted use for the property, but also conditions. It does happen where people have instructed you to take on a new lease for, say, a term of 10 years, quite a hefty rent. But then when you carry out the search and show them the planning title and get the planning copy to the planning permissions, the conditions are the opening hours are quite limited. And actually, that can be the difference between, yes, I can take this on and no, I can't. So yeah, I strongly recommend a full set of searches, mm-hmm. environmental search, showing past contaminants, you know, the occupier's liability for in, uh, contamination. You've got to be very mindful of um, drainage and water search as well to see if the property's connected to mains drainage and water. You know, again, these things, we encourage people to investigate all these things before they get to that head to term stage when they've agreed um, the transaction. But, you know, the, as much research as possible, it's not always possible to, to look at all these things in great detail, but certainly, you know, these are things that you should be considering, you know, at an early stage. Especially if there's been any sort of enforcement notices against the property, um, that's quite important because, of course, that runs with the land, um, not just against a seller or a landlord. So it's very important to review the local authority search. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, there's certain business districts, uh, certain conservation areas, limitations on signage, etc. I mean, these. I mean, you know, you really have to be very careful when you're taking on a new business project that you know you may have a vision and an idea about a sign that's got a big sort of you know neon uh i don't know what, what i'm thinking of <laughs> and a big neon sign in the middle of the high street and it's completely out of suit with the village that you're taking over as your business and then uh, you find out that in fact that the planning restrictions don't allow it and you know again if you can find these things out in early stage i think it's, it's much better and and some of this information is readily available again online so you can contact your local authority and ask for copies of planning permissions they have some local authorities now have fabulous websites where you can go actually go on a map and select your property and it will give you the the planning history um, up to a certain point. It will also let you know if there are any kind of um, agreements registered against that property as well. So it is worth just a quick Google of the property, trying to see how much information you can get informally and, and otherwise we can obtain this information for you. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a really good point. Isn't it? You know, if you're looking at a freehold, obviously that's an investment. So it's a completely different sort of transaction. You know, you're looking to buy that forever or uh, as, as a freehold, um, whereas uh, a leasehold, it's a fixed time. So you've got to think about whether, you know, in terms of uh, a lease, you know, the term of the lease, the rent and whether you want to be able to determine that lease earlier, what we call a break clause. Again, a surveyor or a valuer would be able to advise you and I'd strongly recommend that people get a surveyor evaluator to negotiate the heads of terms of leases at an early stage and also acquisitions of freehold as well. 
when you're looking at freehold, I think the other aspect of it you've got to consider is funding. If you're going to be looking at for, for lending to, to fund the purchase, then I think it's also a good idea that you uh, speak to your funders, effectively your lenders, your investors about the property at an early stage so that they become comfortable with what the property is um, and you you know disclose sort of what your intentions are for the property. I think then you have to come back to that point. And I think this is often a point that does get missed is the suitability for the properties. And you might look at it and think, actually, wow, that on the outside looks really, really great. But then when you find that the gas capacity isn't sufficient for what you want to do there or the electricity capacity isn't sufficient, drainage, etc., it's all very important. And that before you start in incurring costs, legal costs and, and uh, other costs associated that you do consider the the suitability of the property. Of course, the other thing is then, of course, the planning, and that's the other aspect of it. Has the property got the local authority planning consent that it requires for your proposed use? And if it hasn't, I guess it's um, it's worth considering what your proposed use is and how you obtain planning permission at an early stage for that proposed use. You may need planning permission or any other consents from third parties so such as the local authority or even a landlord or someone with the benefit of a right or covenant over the property Um, and it is worth trying to find out early on whether or not you need these consents or permissions Um, it's better to iron out these kind of issues to avoid incurring extra costs or delays later absolutely yeah Um, the other thing I suppose when you're talking about taking on a lease is and on a state there may be service charge um, and it would be a very good idea for you to try and establish what the service charge is at an early stage what the service charge in terms of it encompasses in terms of the services that, that are going to be provided by a management company if at all um, and you know if, if if there are any proposed major works etc outstanding that they you know that you investigate what those are um, again, you know, if the property's new, then there are other aspects of uh, the construction, such as warranties, etc., would need to be looked at and considered. And all these documents should be readily available from a seller or a landlord or even the management agents. So you can ask for these. We will obviously ask for them as a solicitor. But by the time that you instruct a solicitor, you may have already wanted to have responses to these inquiries. So it might be best asking the agent who's dealing with your purchase or lease um, in the first instance to ask for these documents. And they should be able to advise you on things like the service charge. Or at least um, you could ask for a copy of service charge accounts or a budget or just try and make some general initial inquiries mm-hmm. with the managing agents in the first instance. Yeah, but I can also ask for things like the gas safety certificates, fire risk assessments, EPC and electrical certificates early on, um, which will establish um, a lot of information that you will need to know before instructing the firm of solicitors. I suppose the other thing really that's worth considering as well is if you're taking on a lease, then you're effectively the life of a building or say for example the life of a roof might be 90 years for example um, but if you're taking a lease for five years you don't want to be responsible for a for a roof that's going to last 90 years and responsible for the repair and maintenance of that conversely also if you're taking on a short-term lease say for example five years uh, your repairing obligation if in an existing building you might want to think about a photographic schedule of condition just noting that the property is a state that's not quite in a tip-top good state of repair so that effectively during the lease all you have to do is keep it in the state of repair that it's in at the start and return the property to the landlord at the end of the term in that state of repair um you know where, where you're looking at um, only a short time time being in the property it seems unfair that you would then have to carry out further um, repairing obligations over and above what you took on 
Um, also, I guess we should mention as well that as a business tenant, you should consider the Landlord and Tenant Act 1954 and whether or not your lease is to be excluded or, or included within that act. Yeah. So whether whether the lease is going to have security of what's called security of tenure, you often hear the expression security of tenure. And the Landlord and Tenant Act 1954, which came in just after the Second World War, effectively to encourage small businesses um, after the uh, Second World War period of austerity and effectively small businesses in the high street, first sort of supermarkets, etc., were potential uh, to be held to kind of ransom by landlords because of the position they were in in the high street. So the Landlord and Tenant Act effectively was to give security to business tenants. So at the end of their lease, they could apply to the court for a new lease if they have the security of tenure. Mostly now, there are certain grounds of when, which of which a landlord can oppose uh, uh, granting a new lease where there is security of tenure. Um, but mostly if you're taking a short-term lease, um, the landlord will want the lease to be excluded so that at the end of the term, you have no right to remain and apply to court for a new lease. And that's why it's really important to have a lease reviewed by a solicitor, isn't it, as oh, well? Absolutely. Um, repairing obligations are such funny clauses in leases. Quite often you'll see something that says you are to keep the property in good and substantial repair, but actually that can be taken as you need to put that property into good and substantial repair. So that can obviously be quite a quite a costly exercise for someone who's taking quite a short lease. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that, you know, generally speaking, um, the other thing you need to be wary of is obviously that landlords use very different forms of leases. Uh, We're still not at the point where um, there has been a code in 2007 and uh, there is now model commercial leases that have come in that are trying to introduce a uniformity of of, um, terms for commercial tenants, but we're far from that yet. Um, So, yeah, strongly recommend and advise that um, legal advice uh, is considered when you're taking on a lease. It's a, it's a complex legal document and it has uh, can have a quite onerous conditions to it. Okay, so there's been a lot of recent press about EPCs. Should we discuss in detail what they are? Yeah, so um, an energy performance certificate is um, a certificate that which tells you the energy efficiency rating of a building. Unless a property is exempt, you can no longer sell or rent a property without a, an energy performance certificate and soon it will be illegal to let a property unless it has an EPC rating of E or above. Um, Energy performance certificates last for 10 years so it is really important to check these are in date. They are usually a readily available document. There is a database online where you can um, which anyone can access and download the certificates and if they're not online a landlord or seller should have these. Yeah I think think it's worth saying as well that the uh, direction of traffic in the next 10 20 30 years um as is that it's likely that the energy rating minimum rating e is increased i think in residential it's already happening but with commercial i'm sure it will happen and then i think that's also really goes back to that those points that we were talking about at the start of the discussion which was effectively about when you're looking at a property and its suitability i think you've got to start thinking about energy performance and its its ability to um be energy efficient as a building Um, and I think actually really certainly when you're buying freehold you should be considering at a very early stage what costs and what work you would incur or have to carry out if the rating did change from an E to a C certainly you know I I can't see um, how uh, these these things aren't going to develop and change and become much more much more relevant I think when you're taking on a lease there's certainly the thing to consider about EPCs is you know who's responsible is there one that's the first thing and obviously you know your solicitor will be advising you about the EPC um, uh, being being available but it's rating 
I think at the moment, you know, people look at these ratings and say, oh, it's got an EPC, brilliant. But actually, you know, in the next 5, 10, 15 years, that's going to be a rating that needs to be improved. And how how can that be done? And I think, you know, at the start, when you have a surveyor look around the property, that's the question you've got to start asking them, not just about the structural integrity of the building and, and any, any works that need to be carried out, but also how efficient is this building from an energy point of view? And I know that often has a lot to do with M&E and, and, and mechanical engineering. So you're basically your heat heat sources um, but, um, and cooling sources, but but also maybe insulation and, and how, how easy is that to be, to be uh, undertaken and what cost? I guess the next most important thing to consider when buying or leasing a property is um, is the price. If there's a premium payable for, for the lease or um, the purchase price payable for a, a freehold property, the price of the property feeds into a lot of different considerations as well. So if you are obtaining lending, you will need evaluation of the property. The lender will require this. So it is important that this valuation matches the, the price you are paying um, a surveyor can obviously help with with evaluation. Yeah, the price has got to be right, isn't it? Mm. That's the- <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I think that. Yeah, again, strongly recommend a surveyor or valuer, suitably qualified surveyor or valuer, gives you advice on the price. There may be a premium um, if you're buying a freehold. Obviously, you'll you'll be paying a consideration, a premium, a price for that for, for the for the land interest. If you're taking on a lease, um, an occupational lease, often short term, you wouldn't necessarily pay a premium usually, but there will be an occupational rent. And again, strongly recommend and advise that you take advice on the actual rental level. Um, you know they're comparables in the market, and obviously um, as solicitors, we just we know we don't know what the comparables are, um, and so it's really important that you know advice is taken from people that are dealing with those things all the time. I guess as well, we should probably mention about taking advice from a tax advisor or an accountant as well at this stage. Um, there will be tax advantages or consequences to owning a property in a particular way. You may wish to set up a special purchase vehicle to purchase a property, or if you're an existing business, you may need to consider what your articles of association and memorandum allows you to do. Our corporate colleagues are able to help you with this, but it is worth speaking to a tax advisor or your accountant to see if there is any better way to purchase or, or lease a property if it is if it is better to purchase it as an individual or as a corporate entity. So there may also be stamp duty land tax um, payable. Um, this can be charged on um, both leases and on and on straightforward freehold purchases. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's really, really important to get that advice at the st- early stage. Again, I think it's surprising how many people come along and haven't taken that advice and they've spent lots of money on surveys and uh, done their searches and their solicitors have got heavily involved in going through the due diligence process. And then they say, oh, actually, didn't realise there was SDLT to pay on the <laughs> lease because it's isn't only a lease. Well, yes, there is SDLT to pay potentially, and uh, then the question of VAT comes up. And sometimes, um, you know, commercial premises are opted for tax, and that can become another thing that the buyers have to find. And you'll be surprised how how many times that happens at a later stage than it should. With SDLT as well, um, there are some reliefs that may apply to you or or the property. So again, it's equally important to take advice from your accountant or tax advisor on this as well, um, not just the way you purchase the property, but on your SDLT liability. So what's next then, I suppose, the other thing, and this all links into it, is the um, timing. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, so I would say probably a, a normal transaction takes about a month to six weeks 
Yeah, it, it, what's it, such a thing I mean, as a normal trend? Yeah, it can be delayed, can be a lot quicker, just depends. Depends on how it's structured, how yeah, transactionally structured. I think this is probably the one thing that I could probably push home mm. and, and encourage people is that the more you uh, carry out the kind of due diligence at the start in terms of, you know, all the things that we've been talking about in terms of investigating, going on site visits, etc., finding out as much as possible actually makes the process uh, a lot quicker um, and you know finding out things that you didn't know were there um, now you know all the time sometimes things might happen um, you know you, you could find some sort of contaminant or something that you weren't expecting but on the whole the more time and care you spend in finding the right property researching the property etc um, making sure all your ducks are in a row that's a horrible expression but actually the process of the due diligence when you instruct your lawyers is going to be hopefully quicker um it always is difficult you're always asked like well how long is this going to take and i'm like well we'll do our thing our part as quickly as possibly uh, as possible we, you know, we, we we often do there are things that you can't control uh, but I always advise clients to control the controllables. You know, mm. the things that the, the, the research that you do at the start and getting as much of the process done at, at the start can really, really help speed the process up. Absolutely. We're so heavily dependent on third parties in conveyancing transactions, um, search providers, your seller, your landlord, managing agents. So anything you can do at the start is brilliant. Once you've considered all that we have discussed, what are the next steps? I guess the next steps are, as long as you're satisfied with the property, the use of the property and everything else, um, then it's probably time to start discussing heads of terms with either your agent or, or us as a solicitor. The heads of terms is the name of the document which details what terms are to be included in any sale contract or lease. Um, and it is really important that these are sufficiently detailed to enable a solicitor to start drafting contracts as soon as possible. Yeah, I think, again, it goes back to that point about getting a surveyor or a valuer to use to negotiating uh, heads of terms to actually draw up the heads of terms and to make them as clear and as transparent as possible so that they set out all the terms. And I mean all the terms that you've agreed between you and the seller because you know often you will be asked, I think when you approach the solicitor, you'll be asked, we often ask, well, where are the hots? And the clients are what hots, and uh, <laughs> it's heads of terms. Getting those as comprehensive as possible, drawn up by a, a suitably qualified professional, is is the ideal. Absolutely, it just it avoids room for for error, and it it takes away any negotiations that we may have to do for you as well, which obviously makes the whole transaction a lot quicker. Yeah, which is you know the name of the game, I suppose. Exactly what we the objective. This is why I call front loading really effectively. You know, making sure that um, a lot of the work is done. Uh, at, the, at the earliest stage as possible I suppose it's a bit off piste but when you're talking about um, selling as well conversely the same applies really you know if you are considering selling your property then I think as much front loading in terms of engage with your solicitor I often um, encourage clients to come up if they're thinking about selling to actually get a, a package of information together because often it, you know it does happen that you'll be like right it's on the market all of a sudden you've got an offer it's, it's too good to be true it's got to be done very quickly and then you're you're playing catch up with all the information it's not there and then that can slow the transaction process down it can actually make it really stressful as well so if you are thinking about selling engage with your solicitor because there are what we and you probably have if you've dealt with property before called something called cpses very voluminous <laughs> set of inquiries which are standard uh, industry um, 
inquiries from the law society, which lawyers use um, for various transactions. And, you know, having, if you're thinking about selling, having those CPSEs prepared and answers, because there's lots of information in those CPSEs can really, really help because obviously you can address any um, inquiries in those CPSEs that actually, you know, you haven't considered and don't have ready answers for. But it just means that actually, you know, the other thing is obviously you can go to market, you've got the CPSEs and when you do find a buyer or you've got a tenant, a protective tenant, then you can actually just provide all the information to them and, um, you know, provided it's a comprehensive pack, then that should allow things to go through far more smoothly than otherwise. The CPSEs act as a great checklist, don't they, as well, of things that you can collate. Um, so it, there will be inquiries relating to insurance policies, fire risk assessments, asbestos surveys, and these are all things that you need um, if you're selling or leasing a, a commercial property. So it is worth having a copy of those somewhere, just even as a as a pointer to make sure that you are collating everything you need when you come to sell. Yeah, and and, and absolutely. I mean, the thing is, you know, the other thing that does happen is these things become out of date. And again, you know, I don't want to use this phrase as well, but I wish I had a pound for every time this has happened. But you know, you get you get to market, you've got quite a way into the transaction and then all of a sudden oh asbestos management survey you haven't done that oh dear <laughs> and it actually then you have to run around to find a surveyor suit to be qualified mm. to carry out the survey it can take time it's cost it's delay um you know so all those things that would be triggered by you going through the cpses and preparing as much as possible engaging with us as lawyers as well you know it can save you time save you money in the long run so every document that you need to supply on a sale, such as an asbestos survey EPC, they do have expiry dates. So it is, yeah. you have got to be careful to make sure that they are in date and that you regularly renew them. As yeah, I think the other thing, obviously, is that EPCs can go out of date. The mm. law would change. I think, as I've sort of alluded to, the law is changing um, in respect of energy performance and of the buildings, etc. And that's only likely to to change over time. So these things have, have a have a limited lifespan. In terms of um, electrical safety certificates, then you've got to make sure they're updated in line with legislation and, and asbestos as well. Um, some buildings that are modern don't necessarily uh, require asbestos management risk assessments, but um, again, you know front-loading these things and speaking to your lawyer about what you need to do when you before you get to market is really 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 important it will save you time save you money and hopefully make the process go quicker thank you for listening to ellison's connects and many thanks to lauren and andrew for joining me in this episode we hope you found this episode insightful if you would like to discuss anything further on this subject then please do get in touch via our website ellisonsolicitors.com please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on our social channels to keep up to date with latest news and insights any information shared on this podcast was accurate at the time of recording however we do advise speaking to your usual ellison's advisor to make sure that there hasn't been any further changes since thank you to podtalk.co.uk for producing this podcast series 